Kaminsky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Steve Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. As always, I'm KJ, joined by Zach Mack. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing well. Good morning. It's the first time I think I've ever got to say good morning to you as we record. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, you could have phrased that a little better, but yeah, this was our first morning <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, work got a little crazy last night. As we record this, it's Saturday morning, uh, the morning of Game Three, so it actually kind of works out. We're we're in a good spot. We hold me hold me accountable to watch this weekend hockey game. Yeah, I know it's it's got to be tough for you, but at least there's only one this weekend. You didn't have to watch <laughs> like the Friday night and, and Sunday night weekend yeah. games. Thank God. We have a ton to talk about today. Game Games 1 and 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. We've got all sorts of stuff from outside the playoffs. We've got a what to watch in 90 seconds. All the stuff you know and love. Uh, let's jump right into Games 1 and 2. You were enjoying your uh, holiday weekend, so you didn't watch a ton of Game 1, which is understandable. You didn't miss a lot unless you're... A, uh, a Boston fan because that was that was tough to watch for for Blues fans that you blow a two zero lead uh, to the team that everyone thinks is already the better team so that you you'd think their confidence will be shot just knowing that I mean there's there really wasn't any storylines carrying over from game one to two other than the the Tory Krug hit which um, I mentioned in my short players article if you, if you haven't seen that yet go check that out. Going into game two, just just knowing what you knew about game one, did you think the Blues had a chance to, to walk out of Boston with a win? Uh, yeah, I thought so because, I mean, like you mentioned, I didn't get to see much of game one. I caught the third period, which was pretty much just all Boston, so I didn't I didn't really see too much from St. Louis. I didn't find out until after the game that they had blown a 2-0 lead. I guess uh, I think I was watching it without the volume on or something. Somehow it never got mentioned, and uh, – so I didn't really have anything, and then they said that the Blues blew a 2-0 lead. And rather than, than getting like, oh, I think they're down and buried now that they've blown a 2-0 lead this early, I thought, no, I was on the more side of, you know, I think they got a shot. I think they, if they were able to put up the lead that early in the series, I think they could do it again. Um, I, I was I, – I liked how close the game two was played. It's, it gives me hope that this could be a very long series, which I'm excited for. Yeah, I think – I, I had to admit, I was surprised that they, they came out and were able to kind of punch back against Boston uh, as, you know, Boston scores first and St. Louis answered, then Boston, then St. Louis answers, and um, they end up coming away with the win in OT, which is probably just as important as blowing them out. I mean, it's, it's a really kind of dashing their hopes type of thing. You steal home ice advantage. And we were just talking before uh, we started recording. Winner of Game Three wins seventy nine percent of the time. So not that not that we play the percentages. I mean that's why we play the game. But this is a huge, huge game for the St. Louis Blues uh, because I they know they're going to end up back in Boston for at least one, uh, for our sake, hopefully two games uh, as as this goes seven. The two the the biggest thing for me 
has been the the lack of I don't even know how to how to put it in terms like just the lack of what we're used to from each team's top line. I mean, Brad Marchand is turning the puck over every time he gets into the offensive zone. Patrice Bergeron is playing like Patrick Berglund. And, and on the blue side, there's there's really just no consistency. Tarasenko's been been pretty good, um, but sh- but Shen Shen and Schwartz uh, leave a, a lot to be wanted in the offensive zone. Who who's going to pick it up first? Who is it? Is it the Blues at home tonight? Their top line kind of gets it going, or do the Bruins continue their really hot road power play and and get that top line going using their special teams? Uh, I think easy answer is Boston. Uh, I think I would, I would tend to lean on them kicking it into gear more than I would trust St. Louis at this point. But I, I, I it's it's interesting you say that. And and you mentioned before we were recording about how um, O'Reilly is down in the top line and and how that how you can spin you know some strategy that way. And but it's also hard when you get to this point if you see line struggling, especially the top line. Can you can you make those those line switches in the middle of a Stanley Cup final series, or, or if you can, who do you see doing it first out of these I, coaches if they need to? That is tough. I I have to lean Berube just because Cassidy has a top line called the perfection line, and I think that'd be hard to get away from. In St. Louis's case, they have close to two top lines, so I don't think they're as worried about guys feeling like they got demoted or, you know, if you're on line one or two, you're a top line player, at least in St. Louis. And in, in a lot of places that's true, but, you know, there's only two teams that matter right now. Yeah. And of those two, St. Louis is really at, at, at any level, um, whether it's it's their their top 12 forwards, their, their sixth defense, or anywhere but Tuca. I – Find it hard to believe they'll make or yeah any anywhere on the ice for Boston, they're not going to make any changes. I kind of feel like Boston's set, other than injury, like with Greslick out, uh, which we'll talk about later. I don't see really anything but maybe uh, Cassie trying to light a fire under some of those forwards. But I think what we're seeing with Boston, what we're going to get because they know their top line is more likely just kind of find a rhythm. They don't really need anything to happen for them to get hot. Yeah. So, I mean, to that note, then it kind of, it leaves it up to St. Louis to strategize around Boston's lineups or strategy or whatever it may be. And I think, I think you're right. It's probably up to if, if they need to make the change, St. Louis would make it first, but it's, if and I, but I think you're right. I think what we see is what we get for Boston, and I think that leaves it up to St. Louis to have to work around that and to to game plan. Because I mean, like you mentioned earlier, we're not we're not big on percentages, but Game Three is going to be a big game. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge game. And and when I when we talk about what you see is what you get with Boston, obviously that's not a, a bad thing because no, right. they they've been so good. good. They were yeah, arguably the second best team, but that. It's the Stanley Cup Finals, so and I'll never coach in the Stanley Cup Finals, so it's easy for me to say. But I don't think everything should be set in stone all the time, 
especially for a team that's been there. If that makes it like like Boston just has that experience, and they should know that just the slightest adjustment can re- can really change a series. And if Boston or if St. Louis is first to make that adjustment, um, and I think they're getting Vince Dunn back, and Rob Thomas should be playing again. And there's just there's so many more things that St. Louis can do to change the tide in their favor. Boston can really just kind of focus up more. And, and I I feel like it's oversimplifying what Boston does, but there's really one or two th- changes that we've seen all postseason from them. So I, I just don't see Cassidy ris- risking any to get them going. And as far as Boston's concerned, if, if Gunnarsson's going to be scoring overtime goals, uh, you're you're obviously limiting their St. Louis's best players, so right. you're not in a terrible right. spot because you lost game one to you know Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah, so that's a good point. It's it's pretty much then like Boston's got they've got it's hard to shuffle up their lineup and make it better than it is now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I guess. Um, so two pretty controversial hits have come from this series, and even if you. Even if you watched a minute of Game One, you've seen the Tory Krug hit. We'll, we'll go mm-hmm. one at a time. We'll we'll get to Sunquist. You watched the Tory Krug hit. What was your first reaction? My first reaction was I did not think it was that bad, to be honest with you. Um, and then I saw, then I saw some clips on Twitter, and it was you know people of, because I saw it in real time, and I just thought it was a good hit, and I didn't really think twice about it, and. Uh, then I saw like isolated videos where they've got it just on Krug, and it's, it looks like a little bit of a charge. You know, he's skating. I don't know how many strides before he makes contact. So, to be honest with you, overall, I don't have a huge problem with it. I don't. It seems like a lot more people have more problems with it than I do. I'm probably a bad person to ask about that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I didn't have a problem with it. I did watch the hit, and as it happened, I was like, oh, I, how is that not charging? And then you and then you watch the entire replay, and you and it's not charging. One yeah. thing, not to get off topic, but one thing that makes me laugh is the NHL watches two two fan bases argue over whether or not it's charging, and the actual hit isn't charging. But then they make this video of Tory Krug like going in one portal and coming out another portal to hit Rob Thomas, Robbie Thomas, which looks like charging. So they're like digging themselves into a hole. <laughs> <laughs> one of those things the NHL is so good at, but uh, I know I didn't. I, I didn't have a problem with it either. I mean, he's a Michigan State kid, so it's hard to really have problems with too many things he does. Yeah. But uh, it, it, I mean, if he would have hit Perron when he saw him uh, at center ice, then we're we're looking at a, a pretty bad suspension. I think uh, he didn't. He made the smart play. He hit the puck yeah. carrier quote-unquote, but someone playing the puck at least, uh, and he rocked him. And it was – it's a cool hit, and all these people that, you know, you wish for old-time hockey to come back, that was that was your little taste of it because you're not getting old-time hockey back. Um, game two. Oh, go ahead. That's my – that's honest. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint with people when they, they – every time there's a big hit like this, it's like people are throwing their arms up on, on whether it's – you know, it's charging, it's dirty hits, it's this, that. It's, it just seems like the appreciation for good, hard-hitting hockey has gone away. And it's people are throwing their arms up 
every time something like that happens, I'm so, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm going on a little bit of a rant. No, you're fine. No, I, I mean, I go on a rant every week, so <laughs> just drives me crazy. Like, just respect the hit, move on. Like, you can't like uh, people complaining every time their guys get hit. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have a problem with with Tory Crew throwing like one of the hardest legal hits we've seen in a while. Um, I don't. I mean, my thing is, is when a guy gets crushed at, at center ice from two different angles and both points of contact are like his head yeah, and uh, yeah. people are just t- telling him to keep his head up. And, and that's what happened in the eighties. And, I'm, you know, we talked about Daniel Carcillo last week. Like that's, if that's old time hockey, then, and that's what you love players in the eighties, keep putting guns in their mouth and dying yeah. tragically. Like this is not, that's not good for hockey, but the toy cricket is probably good for hockey. Robbie Thomas missed game two, but not, because of that hit, apparently, which I think is just kind of like a mind game. I don't. I think he missed the game because of that hit, but they don't want to give Boston that "we're tougher than them" mentality. Yeah. yeah. So as I'm watching NHL Network, or as we record, I'm watching NHL Network, and they're talking about the Sunquist suspension. So let's just get right into it. Okay. I. I'm not upset that he got suspended for one game. But I don't think it warranted a suspension. What did you think? Yeah, I did not. Uh, it, this one's tough because if if Grizzly goes into the board, uh, not parallel with the ground, I guess. I mean, he almost like if you look at it, he almost goes parallel with the he, ground. He does, yeah. Goes. Yeah, and if he doesn't do that, you see that play a billion times every period in hockey. So I don't. It's tough because he's Grizzlyson's. He's in a vulnerable position, and obviously, I don't want to just open the green light for everyone to be able to do that whenever they want. If someone goes into the boards in a bad position, but at the same time, it's it's kind of on Grizzly to go in into the boards properly. And so, I don't know. I I, I agree. I tend to agree with you. I don't think it warranted an is a suspension, but I can also see where the NHL was probably like, "Hey, we're, like you, we're going to suspend you for like uh, multiple games." and he pleaded his case down to one game. I could see that being, I don't know. I don't think it warranted a suspension, but I see where the NHL is coming from. Yeah, I, I think with these two teams, they just want to prevent any further uh, incidents like this. And Oscar Sundquist is not a, it, let me just, if Ryan O'Reilly hits uh, Matt Greslick, there's no suspension because they're, they'd feel like they were taking out way too important of a player. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> I, w- I watched it like 25 times right after it happened. If Sunquist doesn't hit Greslick, Greslick might tear his ACL. <laughs> like the, just the way he was coming down, it it was going to be way worse for him than like a mild concussion or whatever he has. Yeah. I thought, I thought there was going to be some sort of injury as well. I didn't, that, that's funny that you say that. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I appreciate the, the bit of consistency we're getting here. Because in everyone, this again goes back to the Tory Krug hit. People see this and say, if that's a suspension, so should Tory Krug's, which is an all-time bad take. Yeah. Um, and and saying that Tory Krug not getting a penalty makes this not a suspension is also uh, a bad take. But Sunquist, like I said, if if his last name is uh, Tarasenko, he doesn't have anything to worry about. But 
this is not going to affect the series that much because both 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 teams lost a player on that hit. So the thing, you know, things could be worse, I guess, yeah. uh, for both yeah. sides. The other – let me throw this out here because this is following game two, and this is one of my – I can't yeah. believe I'm seeing this yet again uh, feelings. When uh, St. Louis wins that game, they, you know, overtime, Gunnarsson goal, uh, which was awesome, by the way, that he called that at the urinal. Yeah, that's awesome. The first thing I see is, oh, well, that was Boston's worst game, and they barely lost. Is that the worst take in sports right now? Like, that type that, of take? Yeah, that's a, an absolute awful take. I thought that was a great game by both teams. Yeah, I saw because I saw it after, and we'll get into the hockey podcast, I know, but we're going to get into the Raptors-Warriors a little bit. And after the Raptors won game one, I saw it from Warriors fans too. So I'm not picking on Boston again. I've done enough of that. But when you when your team loses a game and in your, you know, knee-jerk reaction is we played terrible and barely lost, so clearly we're still a better team. That that's not how any of this works. Like you, you lost. Yeah. That's that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people are like I. I can never get behind that idea ideology as a fan. I don't. I don't know if they're just trying to make themselves feel better or they're trying to. It's like a boost of confidence going into the rest of the series. But to just stand back and, and to honestly like if you can't honestly believe it was your your team's worst game. Like there's there's no way you can convince me it was the worst worst game your team played in the playoffs. And if if you're just throwing it out there to make yourself feel better, then I get it. I'm not gonna like it, but I get it. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't really see where that comes from, but I don't. I, I just don't know where these takes fly yeah. from. It, it it is one of the worst takes, uh, if not the worst. In not to mention they were at home. So if that's like eighty percent of your like, if if your team only played at eighty percent of what they're capable of, your home crowd makes up for twenty percent of that. Unless unless. They want to admit that they don't have the type of home ice advantage that they like. You can't have it both ways. You either you played a, a really good game and, and lost in a crushing fashion, or playing at TD Garden doesn't really mean shit to the Bruins. Which I would love the latter because that'd be that'd be some sort of admittance <laughs> that we never thought we'd get. But I mean, we're we are where we are, and this is gonna be a great game. I bet they split in a. In, in St. Louis, so we'd probably look at, you know, 2-2 going into game five. Yeah. Yeah, I um, think so, too. As I totally forget the rundown. Well, we're talking in the Stanley Cup Finals, there's a lot of teams who, how should I say, will never come close. And Edmonton is one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and they hired Dave Tippett, who has been close to the Santa Cruz Finals in his past. Uh, for those that don't know, Tippett is a former coach of the Arizona and former Phoenix Coyotes, as well as the Dallas Stars. Uh, so he's far from what he's used to, and it's been a couple years since he's he's uh, been the head guy. He's been in the conference finals twice. He's been to the playoffs eight eight times, and he's he's missed it seven. So. He's kind of right in the middle there. Hey, Edmonton would love that. Yeah, if Edmonton could make the playoffs eight out of fifteen years, I think this, they'd give him the key <laughs> to the city. 
Shit, they might give him the key to Canada. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this hire? Does it matter? No, I love this hire, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I think it, it's I – like, I like the poetry of things. I, I think I've mentioned that before. But Ken Holland, is, he's, he's in a new spot, and he's trying to build it up, and he's trying to prove himself that he can do this under the salary cap and whatnot. And, and he goes out, and he gets this guy who's been to the conference finals, like, like more than – once, multiple times, and he pulls him from. I think he was he was at a role in Seattle, wasn't he? Uh, he was he was in place there, but from what it sounds like, he wasn't going to be their first coach. Okay, it's uh, it was really weird. It maybe I read it wrong, but it didn't sound like he was going to like come in and be the guaranteed head coach. Okay, I thought he was in some like advisory role. I don't know. I could be mistaken. And, uh, but he's been with coaching for a couple of years, and but he had success when he was coaching. I mean, not not recently, but it was. I th- I think it's it's a uh, how do I want to say it a diamond in the rough possibly. Um, I think it's better than Holland going out and trying to get a big name available guy. Okay, so I owe Ken Holland a bit of an apology. He has done. More than I expected in his first few weeks at Lana's job, including getting some of the um, '80s Oilers players out of out of this the franchise right now and, and out of important roles. Um, and the fact that he hired a coach that didn't play for the Oilers in the '80s is is huge. It's it's a big step forward for for Edmonton. I don't really think this makes them a playoff team uh, because they. They still have that Lucic contract, and how do they get around that uh, before the lockout? I don't know. But Dave Tippett, he seems like he's he's got it. I don't know if he's a, a Stanley Cup winning coach. or I mean, I know he's not a Stanley Cup winning coach, but I don't know if he could get a team to that point. And I think – whatever he i really liked his quote from from a press com, the press conference where he said uh someone asked him about Connor McDavid becoming more of a two-way player 200 foot player one of the the cliche questions and he said something along the lines of uh i i'll have to check but i don't think any of Connor's goals have come from the defensive zone which i i do like that <laughs> quote i i think that's uh that's a good way to look at the Oilers heading into your, your first season as their head coach. I like what you mentioned about Ken Holland because um, I didn't uh, I didn't realize he was making those moves either um, this quickly. Yeah, he, he somehow got Kelly McCrimmon over to the KHL in like four days after taking the job. <laughs> but I've said for, for years, if not months, that it was that it's a culture change that Edmonton needs. And I think you're right. They're getting all these – X players out and it's it's a stepping out of their comfort zone so to speak and it's the first step to I think changing that culture and getting getting to where they need to be. Yeah, I mean I I my my kids will probably tell me as a senile old man uh what the city of Edmonton did when the Oilers finally made the playoffs. <laughs> but uh I I think it'll be it'll be good for McDid and probably drives idle to get a guy in there who is just kind of let them gonna let them be superstars. So he's not gonna force. I I'm about to like go into anti McDavid mode, but I, I, he, 
McDavid doesn't need a coach who's going to try to turn him into something he can't be. McDavid can't be a two-way player. He's just – he's not – I don't think he's that good defensively. So someone who's just going to let him cherry-pick the blue line on the other side and be the fastest guy on the ice, that's all they really need. And you can get those other, yeah. you know, defensive – that defensive pressure from the other four guys on the ice. You don't need uh, McDavid or, or Dreisaitl to, to really do that. Um, right. So, top of your head, Edmonton, do they make the playoffs next year? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Hard disagree, but I, I like your confidence. I'm going to sneak them in. Yeah, well, they're going to sneak in. So, um, <laughs> Nikita Zaitsev needs a fresh start, apparently, uh, from, like, the most talented, the, like, the third most talented yeah. team in the NHL. Like, what? This situation makes no sense to me. Well, what do you what do you make of this? Uh, something's going on in Toronto that we don't know about yet. That's what I think. I mean, is Dubas just pushing the wrong buttons? Is like, are the guys not get? I just don't get. Like Nikita Zaitsev is not going to get like a first round pick in return. I I can't imagine anyone's going to give up a lot to to go get him. But he also doesn't really seem like someone they want to give up. Moving forward, like they're not great defensively. Uh, you can't rely on Morgan Riley to have a season like he just had. Uh, you, I mean, you can rely on Jake Gardner to probably blow it in the playoffs, but they they need guys like Zaitsev to kind of keep this this team together. And they're, I mean, Toronto's falling apart trying to decide whether they they want to sign or if they hate Marner. Like, there's no in between. Like, you either want to sign them for 11 million yeah. or or you hate Mitch Marner. I'm leaning towards not like Marner myself either because this is this is getting insane in Toronto. I mean, the Zaitsev situation is just kind of like the tip of the iceberg that we've seen this offseason. For a team that this that's this talented, I I mean, they're going to be a wild card team next year with with this type of dysfunction. Right. I mean, how many moves are they willing to make just to fall to Boston in seven games in the first round? <laughs> I I don't get it. Like. I, I don't know. What, does he? He doesn't. Does he? Did, did he say why? Like, it's not like family issues or, or. No, it's just literally like fresh start. Like he doesn't think he's a good player in Toronto and and thinks there's there's room elsewhere. What's hilarious is like the Zaitsev news comes out and then all of a sudden there's Kings and Maple Leafs talks to trade Marlowe. Like and Marlowe, you yeah, can would, like, would, that's makes hard. sense. Mar- to me. You can move like, Marlowe. I mean, that's just. That just kind of seems like an fu to San Jose. Um, I, yeah, Marlo's gonna be hating uh, that. It'll be fun to watch both those teams in 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 California squirm. But the Zaitsev, uh, you you need a fresh start because someone hates you. Yeah, in the Toronto organization, that's the only thing I can think of. They're just so defensively, they're so bad. And not bad, but I mean, in respect to the rest of their team. Yeah, there's. Inconsistent, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from from Tavares and Matthews to their, you know, bottom defenseman, the gap is huge. Um, and now that now that we're on the the top of the Maple Leafs, I I came across a pretty shocking stat, and I I didn't save it because I'm an idiot, but basically it was to kind of put away the Marner deserves Matthews money argument in. Not only does Austin Matthews have more 
or like a better goals per 65 on five than Matt, than Marner. He's got the best in the league since he was drafted. It, it's something like 20 percentage points better than uh, Alexander Ovechkin. That's the type of stat that in my head, the only reason Marner deserves that much money in people's eyes is because he's Canadian because they can't be led to victory in the, in their eyes by this American, Arizona, Mexican American player. Like, right. and, and that's not like, I'm not saying like it's a race thing. I'm just saying like, as far as being an American player, they hate the fact that he's going to be making the most money on this team, even though he deserves so much more money than the Marners, Nylanders, and, and Kapanins. Maybe not Tavares, but everyone else. I just cannot believe we're, we have to do this again with Toronto. Yeah, it's it's honest. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me so mad this early in the morning. and It's, <laughs> it's so unhealthy. Zach hasn't even had his bacon, and I'm, <laughs> I'm heating him up. Oh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, because no, by no, I mean, the stat you just mentioned, now you could pull out any stats. I'm sure you could spin one or a couple stats Marner's way, but even the eye test, I mean, Matthews deserves, I would put him above Tavares. Okay. Uh, I know you said, you said maybe, maybe not. I would put him, above, I think he deserves the most money by far on that team. And I don't think Marner gets anywhere close, and I don't know. So I can't really side with people who are having a discussion if he needs to eat or he should get paid or he should get, you know, close to Matthews or Tavares money or whatever it may be. I don't think so. And if I was in control of the team, I'm not even close to tickling those numbers. Yeah, in this, um, the only the only way I see Marner getting the type of money that people say he deserves, which can Marner play with somebody who's not like the second, third, or fourth best player in hockey? I mean, he's played with Matthews and he's yeah. played with Tavares. I'd say the guys had pretty good, pretty good luck his first few years in the league. Um, but apparently, Brock Besser That's has turned down the latest offer from the Canucks. So, I don't think there's there's trade value in that. But I think um, Marner maybe signs a, a bridge deal to get him to the point where Vancouver will pay him a ton of money, something like to stay in Canada and. And kind of maybe an fu to the Leafs, but that's just he wants so much money that most teams are willing to give him. I feel like I I, I don't know. I need to do some research, and I I feel like there's an investigative report on the Toronto Maple Leafs that is just waiting to be done. Well, you know what? I think it's waiting to be done by us. Well, I, I'm <laughs> on my way. I'll, I'll go get this sorted out because and wait till you see this transition. We're investigating whether or not Toronto is an NHL or an NBA city. <laughs> uh, this is wild, and I'm, I want the Warriors to lose in the worst way, so this has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. You saw Jurassic Park, which, for people that don't know, is the same exact spot where the Maple Leafs fans were watching them go down in, in seven. This is... Is this just the the fact that it's all of Canada pulling for the Raptors, or is everyone in Toronto kind of realizing that the Leafs aren't the premier NHL franchise, which they haven't in my lifetime? So it's been a long, long time coming, but uh, the support that the Raptors are getting is insane. Yeah, so it's pretty much like California is the United States, and then – the 
rest of the United States and all of Canada is Canada. And with a, with a few sprinkled Fairweather fans here and there. Um, <coughs> Mike Brown. <coughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, other than that, everyone other than California is Canada. And it's pretty cool to see that we're all pulling for, uh, like you said, the Warriors to lose in the worst way possible. Sweep them in two. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been really cool. And you talk about a guy who deserves a huge contract and from Toronto. It's Kawhi Leonard. I I was bored with him going like somewhere, like maybe the Lakers or or somewhere huge just to sign like this massive contract. But now I kind of want him to stay in in Toronto. I, it's kind of fun. Like, I think watch, might. Yeah, I mean. It, He's been incredible. Uh, one of the, the the most fun guys to watch this postseason. Um, obviously, the NBA has a problem with the recency bias because he's not really up in the top. Like he's not one of the two best players in the world, but he's been one of the two best players this postseason, which to basketball fans gets lost. And I, as long as LeBron James plays in the league, Kawhi is not the best player in the league, but. It's been in, it's been so much fun to see him kind of turn into a lone superstar on a on a pretty good team. I mean, obviously that's a good team. Um, if Toronto comes away with uh, the NBA Finals, the Larry O'Brien Trophy, is that the worst possible thing for the Maple Leafs, or is it City Pride? Well, if they're paying attention to me, it's going to be the worst ever thing for the Maple Leafs. I promise <laughs> you that. Um, oh, good. So it's not the worst thing. No. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard. I think. I mean, honestly, I th- I would put him up there top. I would put look right right now. I'd go LeBron, KD, Kawhi. Uh, he said during the the regular season, he's like, I really don't care about the regular season. He said, I'm gonna show up in the postseason. That's all I care about. And literally, he, he did exactly that. I have no reason to believe that he's gonna he's anything other than great. Um, but back to your question. Is it the worst thing for the Maple Leafs? It's it's gonna be rough, honestly. Uh, I don't know how many hockey fans up there are willing to switch to basketball. I would bet it's low, but yeah, you're gonna be dubbed a basketball town until your hockey team does anything. Yeah, I mean, imagine a world where Toronto loses to. Well, we don't have to imagine a world where Toronto loses to Boston in the first round, but they. They lose to Boston in the first round, and then Boston wins the Cup, and then the Raptors win the NBA Finals. <laughs> like, it's going to be a tough couple months for the for the Leafs. I shouldn't laugh. No, you, you shouldn't laugh. And no, I, I don't have any reason to defend gonna, the Leafs gonna, at this point. It's um, going to come back on me. But I'm hey, well maybe maybe they the Leafs just need the Raptors to break the Drake curse. Maybe the Drake curse was indirectly affecting the Leafs because he was from Toronto and they just never knew it. Maybe, yeah. Um, The other thing that might help the Leafs is the fact that one of their best forwards isn't in a Vegas hotel room doing lines of cocaine. Oh, wow. Who was doing that? Um, His name is Genny Kuznetsov. He's one of the best Russians in the league. Don't know how many people have seen this because the NHL did a phenomenal job of sweeping it under the rug. (laughs) As they do. Um, Kenny Kazetsov was caught on video um, not actually doing cocaine in his defense. Um, 
but the presumably passed out woman in the bed, the two lines of coke, and the friend videotaping him was not a great look for our friend Evgeny. Um, does this matter? It is really doesn't matter. I mean, probably forty percent of locker, forty percent of players in every locker room are are doing coke. It, it doesn't. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I'd be one, but that's happening in the stalls, you know, between periods, whatnot. But uh, <laughs> when they're not calling their shot in overtime, it's Gunnarsson's doing a little bump. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's for someone else to look into. Uh, I think, yeah, it's, it, he claimed it was from, like, what, a year ago? Like, over a year ago or something like that, after the 20th. It, it had to have been. Yeah, so that's what he claimed. He said it was ibuprofen or something like that. I don't, I don't know. He said he's yeah. done illegal drugs in his life, which, dude, I mean, Barack Obama was smoking weed when he was 20. Like, no one's going to crucify you for drugs, but yeah. and don't let your friend videotape yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, and then you're you're right. The NHL was just like, yep, okay, we believed his story. Well, I mean, the problem is, if, I mean, if they're going to suspend Kuznetsov, they'd suspend 60 – I mean, like, there's just so, there's yeah, so yeah. many guys that would get in trouble for this, and it's well-known fact. Even, like, growing up, it was something that, like, my dad would joke about. He's, you know, he's he, – like, if somebody – if anybody on the news got caught busted for any amount, I should say – of quote-unquote controlled substance it came from an nhl locker room like that's how it was back then when especially when we were really really young Uh, and now it's probably less of an issue because the nhl just kind of they know and they're not gonna they're not gonna yell at anyone unless they're physically doing like a 14 inch line and i have salt now yeah whatever it is Um, but still not a great look for Kuznetsov. I, no matter whether he gets suspended or not, I mean, whoever, right, right, right. first of all, condolences to the family of whoever recorded that video because Alex Ovechkin has probably already murdered them. If it yeah. wasn't, if it they're, wasn't they're, Obi yeah. to begin with, huh? Maybe he wanted to Ooh, be the only shit. Russian. You know how they get, you know, um, <laughs> but it, it was just it was it, it came out and I laughed because I knew nothing would come of it, but it uh it provided some good entertainment. The best thing, honestly, that happened for Kuznetsov was the fact that it was right before the start of the finals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So it, it, it led right into a much bigger storyline than a guy not in the playoffs um, doing whatever he was doing. I'm not gonna I'm gonna accuse him of doing it, but we didn't actually see it. Um, so I guess we'll just, it, you know, believe he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whatever it was for his sake, I hope it was good. <laughs> that, uh, that sour Skittles, uh, sugar really, <laughs> really got to him. Pixie sticks. Yeah. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> um, you got like 90 seconds. Uh, let me, yeah, I do actually. Wow. All right. Um, we were just talking about Drake, 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 Drake. He is loud and obnoxious and in places he probably doesn't belong and touching people. He probably shouldn't on an NBA sideline, but that's all we've been talking about. And it's brought more and more attention to all these games. And the NHL doesn't really have people that do this other than Drake at a few Maple Leafs games and, and, Last postseason, we got the Tennessee Titans players um, shotgunning beers through a catfish. 
And and that's what we need more of. We need more of a Drake-type presence at all NHL games because Vince Vaughn in the 20th row of a Blackhawks game at the United Center isn't helping the game at all. Margot Robbie, as gorgeous as she is, doesn't need to be sitting up against the glass for people to watch Rangers games. Nobody is watching a Rangers game more because of that or wants to be in the arena more because of that. So as much as NHL fans think they're all mighty talking about how that would never happen in the NHL, that's obvious. And, and things like that wouldn't happen in the NHL because the NHL is so far removed from fun as far as engagement with fans and, and getting them involved in certain things as the game's going, other than, I don't know, like a kiss cam, which couldn't be further from important right now. The NHL has a problem marketing its players and the, the NBA is so good at marketing players that it's marketing players' interactions with a fan. And that is, that's insane as an NHL fan to think about that, that there is a fan that, yes, he's a millionaire times hundreds, I'm sure. But there, there are fans out there, there are super fans all over the place that if NHL teams reach out to and really find the story, the the motivation to make them kind of a centerpiece of a franchise, whether it's in Detroit or Nashville or Dallas or Vancouver, Toronto, obviously, like the the Panthers, the Lightning. These there are there are people in every city that would benefit from the NHL wanting to make super fans a bigger part of the day to day, and that's what the NBA's done with Drake. Yes, they had to tell them to tone it down. If the NHL had to tell fans to tone it down, they'd be in a way better position than they are right now. We're in an era where people are actively leaving, leaving their, uh, maybe leaving is not the right word, but walking away from watching a hockey because there's so much more engagement in the NBA, which breaks my heart to say, because obviously I'm an NHL fan through and through, and but and I'm not going to watch any of these finals games over top an NHL game, but you can be damn sure Sunday night I'm turning on this finals game. The NHL has been Zach, I'm going to break up my 90 seconds real quick. Do you know what was on NBC during game two uh, game? Yeah. Two of the NHL finals, Stanley cup finals. No, I don't American Ninja warrior. So the NHL Stanley cup finals had to move to the NBC sports network because they are so bad at marketing themselves and, and making people want to watch that more people would rather watch a bunch of retired athletes and, and former vets compete in obstacle course than play the fastest, hardest-hitting game in American and North American sports. That is insane to me. And the NHL needs to do better, or in 10 years, we're not even going to have an opportunity to have an NHL podcast. That's my piece. Oh, wow. Okay. You seriously are going to get me worked up in the morning. Uh, you're right. Uh, I will give the NHL. It's a little tougher to do it in the NHL. Uh, in the NBA, one guy can make or break a game. So you can highlight That's Kawhi fair. Leonard and know for you know for a fact he's going to – whether he plays well, he's going to affect the game. And if he plays poorly, he's going to affect the game. It's not really the case. Sidney Crosby could go out there and put up no goals, no assists, no points, plus minus zero. And the Penguins could still win. Yeah, but Henrik Lundqvist so is one of the best-looking guys in the world, and if he plays poorly, they lose no matter what. Like, <laughs> but go on. Okay, go that, on. That's yeah. But, but to your super fan point, you're very, very right. I don't know. Are do you know who Tony X is? Uh, only because the NHL was happy that a black guy was watching. Yes. Okay, so. His team is in the finals for the first time since 19, 
70, whatever it was when your parents were doing drugs. Why is he not at every game on the St. Louis dime trying to pump up the crowd? They've got what they've a pseudo semi fan, at least to this point. I love the guy. I follow him on Twitter. Um, he probably doesn't listen to this, but whatever. I mean, he's, he's, he's a funny guy. He knows his hockey. Um, he needs to be at every game. You need, like, I, I'll, I hate, I don't like giving credit to Boston when I don't have to, but, I mean, they're the best at it. They've had guys there, like you said, chugging beers. We have Bill Belichick waving a flag. It didn't work. They lost. That's another <laughs> point. But why don't we take a step further? We have people walking out on the carpet to sing the national anthem. Bring somebody out there who's going to hype up the crowd, if this is what really what we're trying to do. And, you know, hand on the heart during the national anthem, the whole thing. Singer walks off, and now he's on the ice getting everyone pumped or whatever. I mean, like, take yeah. a step further. You're right. Do something more. Yeah. I mean, even if, like, okay, so we're in, they're in St. Louis for games three and four. And for for people who don't watch baseball, the, the St. Louis Cardinals catcher, Yadier Molina, is like, a national treasure in St. Louis. And he's very, very talented. And he's injured at the moment. He should be doing what you just said. He should be there yeah. hyping up that St. Louis crowd. For what it's worth, what you spoke to, um, Tony X has 77,000 followers on Twitter. And he did not have those before he found hot. For, for anyone who doesn't know, Tony X, and maybe I'm wrong, but he's the guy who, like, he like discovered hockey one day and started and was like live tweeting what was happening, and St. Louis yeah, brought into a game. A game seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, he's got seventy-seven thousand followers on Twitter, um, which he might have had seventy-seven before this all started. And I, I mean, you're right. I mean, he's the super fan that comes to mind in a lot of cases, and it's just it's pathetic. It, it and I don't like to drag down the NHL, but I know when they can do better. And this is, this is when they can do better. Yeah. Um, and I was talking really fast. I'm sorry. It was weird. Um, I hope that all came through, but that's something I am actually, you know, like making fun of Boston is fun. And, and I, I believe in the cause and every, and every time I rant about stuff, but that's something um, I am really, really passionate about because it's could be the difference between whether or not, um, we're watching the NHL in 20 years. So, um, yeah, could be anything we missed. Um, no, I think we got everything that what, what are you watching this weekend? Um, well, I'm watching the game tonight, obviously game three. Um, I'll be watching NBA tomorrow. Uh, and honestly, I, I think it's going to be a more laid back weekend. Uh, for, for me and the lady, I, I spend a lot of time away from home. Everybody that follows me on Twitter knows that. Um, so I'm back in Rofo, and uh, I'm just I'm just ready to relax and, and spend time with the puppers and, and Stephanie and just kind of enjoy the weekend. What about you, brother? Uh, same thing television-wise. We've got the game tonight. Uh, like we've pretty much iterated all episodes. It's going to be a big game, big game. Got a lot of things to watch for in that one. So i got to have my spectacles on. For that one, we've got. Uh, I'll be watching the NBA tomorrow as well. Uh, I'm trying to see if Kawhi can take that at two zero lead. It would make me very happy. I'll also uh, I'll be golfing down in Mississippi a little bit later today, so I'm hopefully watching my balls not go in the water. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's it's almost noon Eastern time, and you're golfing in Mississippi later today. 
Yeah, so it's only it's what it's only ten forty a.m. here. We've got a twelve thirty tea time. It's uh, about twenty minutes. Away. What? Okay, I don't know anything about Memphis. I I I. I... I couldn't know less about Memphis right now. Are you still in Memphis? <laughs> like, are you home? Yeah, it's dude. It's on the border of Mississippi and Arkansas. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be it for us, Zach. Um, hit him hard. Hit him straight. <laughs> for all the listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. We will talk to you next week. For Zach Mack, I'm KJ. Thanks for listening. Go Raptors. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at BellyUpZachMath, and at PuckPuckPassPod. Puck, <laughs>